Welcome to the OC Endurance Podcast. My name is Chris. We are on episode number 27, along with my co-hosts, Austin and Tony. How are you guys doing today? I, I thought we just agreed it was 28. Wait. 28. Uh oh, we did. And I said it wrong. <laughs> and I was right to begin That's with. Right. 28. Damn it. <laughs> Welcome to the OC Endurance Podcast. My name is Chris. <laughs> this is all staying in now. Fuck that. No, I love it when you mess up. It's because we have a guest on. That's right. Uh, I was trying to show off. Actually, I was watching you, Tony, make faces at me because you were waiting for me to mess up. <laughs> no, I wasn't. You know what? It's because like I know you're internally processing in your internal monologue the, yes. the beginning before you make actually sure start. I say yeah. OC endurance correctly and not say something else. Yeah. Yep. So One of your that's why I podcasts. Which, which show are you on today? <laughs> yeah, they always laugh because uh, uh, I'll potentially say the wrong show. So yeah. I did not. Damn, one wow. smirk threw you off your game, huh? Holy oh, shit. One little smirk from you. Just a <laughs> wink. Stop winking at me. <laughs> the anticipation of what I'm going to say is worse than me actually. what I'm actually saying. One thousand percent. <laughs> awesome. Well, what's going on, uh, Tony? How's it going? Yeah, it's been a good week. Um, had, you know, overall, I think lighter week for me and then had a pretty killer bike workout on Saturday. We had Ed and, and Big Tim with me which was cool to suffer with company. Um, I think I saw Sujin out there. I, I, I must've missed Austin and Josh out there. I, I was looking for dorky helmets and I didn't see, I didn't see them go by at all, but apparently they, they were out there with, with arrow helmets. So <laughs> there's no way you can miss those helmets. I was suffering. Or did you wear your arrow helmet, Austin? Oh, it was, it was full race get up. Josh and I were full dickhead mode. So yeah. yeah. See? And so yeah. I was kind of like see? looking for that, but if I was in the middle of, of hurt, like my head was down quite a bit and you know, I'd glance up and stuff, but yeah, I even I saw John at the last bridge, and I just yelled out, "Fuck this workout!" <laughs> I, I think you, we might have we might have pulled off to Edna Park to to for a pee break real quick, and you guys might have passed us. So uh, maybe maybe that was it. Because maybe that's what I it saw was. John and Sue Jen, and John was like, "Oh, I just saw Tony." I was like, oh, "I didn't see Tony," and this trail's only so big. So yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, okay, maybe that explains yeah. it then. Yeah, and then um, I had no company on Sunday and just did a 20-miler on the trails in Chino Hills, starting like Carbon Canyon. Mike did some like, I don't know, did some like dinky 5K or something that he wanted to go do. And so I didn't have him with me. But uh, yeah, overall good. Nice. How about you, Austin? Race ready? What are we, days away now, Sure. Right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's this is my least favorite week because I'd rather just get to the race day. You know, everything's so stressful of getting ready and getting stuff and making sure you get there. And just, I just, I just want to be there and race. That's, you know, this is my least at favorite week. At least when like you're, you're going to a local city, it, it doesn't feel as stressful because I always feel like if I don't have it, I can buy it when I'm there. You know, like when you're going to some of these remote locations or places, you just don't know what's there. It, that's more stressful because you feel like you have to bring everything. Whereas again, you're just going yeah. to Arizona. So it's like, yeah, yeah luckily yeah. I have and the Arizona car and everything. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. so that'll be fine. It's just, you know, with work and all that sort of stuff, you're always like, okay, I gotta, gotta do this before I leave. Gotta do that. And then, and you know, Thanksgiving's the next week. So, you know, family obligations, cooking obligations, those sorts of things. But yeah, just rode this weekend with Josh. <laughs> it's like his first ride outside since he got his bike fixed. So he's been just on the trainer and, you know, but it was fine. And then just like two hours on the treadmill yesterday. So, um, yeah, it'll be a super light week this week. Just keep the legs moving. 
um, probably take Thursday almost all, almost completely off, maybe 30 minutes on the bike, run Friday, bike and swim Saturday, and then race Sunday. So, yeah. Sweet. When do you head to Arizona? Uh, Friday. Friday morning early. Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a good little contingent out there. All you guys are in the same age group, so. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I thought I was going to get the, the bump, but I guess not, so that's a bummer. <laughs> Ain't got to race with all the young yeah, guys. Yeah, that's right. What about, <laughs> what about you, Chris? You were biking this weekend or anything? Uh, yeah, just just training, uh, ramping up. I, I think I hit uh, like 16 and a half hours last week or something. So, I'm in, uh, you know, just with adding in the strength training and increasing the run volume. Um, I didn't get to ride outside on Saturday. I've been on the trainer, but uh, my, my wife was gone, so the kids were my responsibility. And I swear for the next four weeks, uh, I feel like, uh, there's something happening. I will not be riding outdoors until I get to La Quinta, I think. So, which I, Hey, it's been cold. So I know what you weren't yeah. doing. I don't mind it. I know. I know you weren't uploading our last podcast. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was busy. I was in the mountains. I was watching kids, but my video did well. Yeah. So well, great. <laughs> I looked like great. a good weekend, man. I looked like a great weekend. Yeah. 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 So, but that is it. Yeah. So, it, you know, I, this, this is crazy. And Tony might agree with me here. You keep saying you don't want to do fulls anymore. Cause it's just too much training and you just did 16 hours. I know people to do Ironmans on way less. Yeah. I hear you. But, <laughs> but you know what I think it is though? I, I think what he was talking about was like the, the long sessions, those four or five sure. hour yeah. ride sessions. I right. think that whereas he's, he's splitting it up, you know, an hour here, an hour there. And then yeah. adding in like the strength training too, which, um, again, but that's in his garage. So, so much of that I think is just so much more convenient versus oh, yeah. him being gone away from the family for, you know, a three hour run, a five hour bike. Just, you know, when you look sorry. at my outdoor training, other than if I don't count track. So, so there's an hour, a uh, three hour ride on the weekend, right? So there's four hours and then a two hour run or whatever, maybe a swim. So uh, maybe maximum, I'm like five hours outdoors. The other yeah. nine to 10 hours are all inside. I mean, training. I, I can't, I can't do those long rides at least for us, at least the time of the year it was, right? I would get an hour or two on the indoor trainer and then go do an additional three outside. I'm like, I'm not going to be training until 1 p.m. That's just, that's just not for yeah. me. You know what I mean? So, well, two hours on the two, two hours on the trainer. I mean, two and a half. That's, that's a lot. Oh, man, that's hard on my butt. So, yeah. Um, Taint uh, of steel, dude. <laughs> I've tried to work up to three, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's not enjoyable. So, yeah. Well, uh, who knows, man? Maybe our maybe our guests will talk you into the low volume uh, sort of approach know, to full Ironmans or something. Well, hey, I, I'm I'm working I'm working my weight off, building my base back again. You know, I've got uh, I got a lot of running base to rebuild. So. Yeah, that TRT but, helps but out, man. Things are going well. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> For those of you who don't know the TRT joke, the uh, joke lately as of late, yeah, joke, inside <laughs> joke. As of late with the new series of videos, uh, new series, yeah, new series of videos, I'm getting uh, some comments from people just coming on, you know, which happens every so often, but it's funny. The last couple of videos I've been getting the, uh, you've got to be on steroids and crap like that, which is funny. So it's like, here I am, the guy who's doing everything to possibly lose size, drop muscle, and uh, yeah, I'm on steroids. So, <sighs> well, we have a guest this week, which is uh, it's been a while since we've had a guest on. I can't even remember the, maybe episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like we've had a lot of episodes of that guest. Yeah. Uh, who was recently. our last guest? 
Ay, ay, ay. Uh, you put me on the spot. Was it, it, was it, it John? Was it been? Uh, was it Kelly? No, Michael. Mm, maybe it was Kelly. Was it that before Lottie? Before Finland, I think. Yeah, that might have been. Before, it. No, so then it was it was Mike. Michael Duncan. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. After Santa Cruz. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, Austin, I will let you introduce our guest and yeah. we'll stop talking and actually get to some interesting conversation. Yeah. So our guest today is Guglielmo Schiavoni, the Italian stallion. Was that all right, Gu? Did that, did that come out all right? Wasn't too white of me? Absolutely butcher it. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I was going to be impressed. I was some cool. Gugli- threw that out there. Is that, is that a soft G in there, the Gug? Is it Guglielmo? You don't pronounce, actually, the second G. Okay. It's mute. So, yeah. Guglielmo Schiavoni. 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 Okay, okay. Yeah, so, there we yeah. go. But we, we all have it. We make a habit, unless your name's like Michael Duncan, <laughs> like unless it's like super white American, we make a habit of butchering every name that comes up. Well, and thank God that Tony doesn't Which have any double me. R's in his last name or something, right? It's pretty, pretty white, you know? <laughs> we still can't pronounce Chris's last name. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's just, we butcher that every time, but goes by goo. And as we were Thankfully. kind of alluding to, Chris Sakas and our group uh, introduced me to goo on a group ride and we've been connected you know just kind of chatting here and there on social media and things and you know i've got to know him a little bit and i i wanted to get him on here knowing his prowess as an athlete but even more so as a person uh just very kind his fiance ida as well they're some of the most fun loving people and i can't wait to get together with them more often to do some training rides or just non-training stuff even right so I just wanted to also start by saying congratulations to Gu and Ida. They're recently engaged and they have that in common with Tony and Nadia. Both got engaged in Kona. So that's kind of a nice little little crossover there. So congratulations, Gu. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. And how, how long have you guys been together? It's been now two years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. We both won our age group in Santa Barbara. Um, he was... Uh, 2021 okay so we got to the podium together we got a free pair of Oka shoes at the time yeah so we started like joking about it and then uh, right after it was uh, Ironman 70.3 world championship in uh, San George Utah uh, we went out uh, for uh, some drinks a uh, couple rides together and uh, yeah we lived off that's awesome man. Off that. since then. nice that's awesome yeah, and yeah. Do, do you do her coaching? Because I know you're, you're coaching as well. I don't, oh. actually. We have, um, we have our mutual, our coach is mutual between us. So it's like a guy from, from Germany, super nice guy uh, that is also the coach of, of Chris. Um, but no, I will, personally, I will never, I will never. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a way better plan to, <laughs> yeah. to be able to just, both of you talk shit about your own coach and right. not each other. Yeah, right. You, yeah. You don't want to. Yeah. Sometimes I don't know how a professional athlete uh, do that. Like for example, Laura and Philip. Oh yeah. Uh, Lucy yeah. and Reese. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, Holly. I mean, as a, yeah, Holly as well. For me, it's like, it would be too much and it's important that there is distinction right so you have like uh, your workout uh, hair workout and then of course i'm supervising and uh yeah i will lie if i if i say that i wouldn't have i didn't help her during like the preparation for kona uh since i didn't have like a 
a real preparation myself in terms of like uh, uh, my race after that because we prioritized her. He was her full stack, full uh, first Ironman as well. So uh, it was really important uh, for her, I think, uh, to also enjoy the overall experience. And I think uh, that's being a partner and I'm a coach uh, and everything. I, I wanted to commit uh, for that uh, 100%. Yeah, that's crazy. I forgot that was that was her, her first full was Kona. That's yeah. She's pretty she much Taylor Nib, right? <laughs> first full yeah. was in Kona? <laughs> yeah, she qualified 70.3 Hawaii last year because this year was the last one. Next year, yeah. it's not going to be a qualifying event anymore for a, a, world, a full world championship. Damn. Yeah. Well, so I, I, don't, I actually don't know the story. So how did you get into the sport? I mean, do you have a background in running, cycling, swimming, uh, ball sports, or you know, where did you where did you, this all start for you? Yeah, so well, let's go back a little bit uh, while I was a kid. So in Italy, um, always like playing soccer until uh, the age uh, 14, 15. Uh, years old. That normally, like at the time that you realize if you can have a career in soccer. Uh, or not that was not my um, my my future in in that sport so I started doing something else and that something else was running uh, so the local high school that we had it was all about uh, the running uh, a little bit of cross country for sure a little bit of track and field uh, uh, and then it was just mainly related to like having fun with all the other kids uh, and that put me like in this uh, perspective of, okay, what else there is out there? And it was then a little bit of mountain biking. There was a little bit of uh, swimming in the summer. Uh, there was like a river, a lake around me, but it wasn't ever like triathlon. Um, then my job actually moved me to Mexico, Mexico City. Um, and I spent like uh, almost five years in Mexico. And I was like running all these events, like the Adidas 5, 10K, half marathon. And then uh, I signed up for the marathon, my first one. Do you speak um, Spanish? I wasn't at that moment that I moved to Mexico because the company that moved me there, it was like, uh, oh, with English, it's going to be fine. <laughs> and the first <laughs> meeting with all the salespeople, um, the, the the planner come uh, came close to me and is like, uh, Go next time the presentation has to be in Spanish, not in English. So all the people in front of me were really kind and they didn't even interrupt me. So, but I, I, I pick it up quickly because it was like a really close to Italian. And then a funny story, I speak, I speak also an Italian dialect. And when I didn't know a word in Spanish, I throw the dialect in there. 80, 85% of the time, it was basically the same yeah. word. So they were able to understand. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, you know, Italian is so close to, uh, to Spanish and a lot of words it, carry o it carries over. So, yeah, just having that background would, would be really helpful. Yeah. Um, and then at that time, after the second marathon that I ran in Mexico City, uh, that for, of course, uh, uh, doesn't know, it's altitude. There is a lot of pollution. It's really, really hard to breathe in general. And the Mexico City Marathon ends on a uphill, a gentle uphill of 1, 1.5%. And then you finish inside uh, the Olympic Stadium that they were using like uh, for, for the Olympics game. Uh, and it's pretty amazing, but it's tough. It's really, really tough. Someone at the finish line, a um, friend of mine, is like, uh, Goo, you're a really good runner. You should sign up for, a, for an Ironman. And I didn't even have any idea what an Ironman was. 
and uh, we Google it together. And it's like, there is one in Cozumel. It's beautiful. And I started looking at prices and I'm like, sorry, man, it's too much money. <laughs> and uh, it's like, uh, well, what if my company that is one of the official sponsor is going to be able to give you a free entry? And I'm like, well, free entry. Why not? It's free. We love free stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. I can't Every turn that down. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so free I'm free. like, yeah, why not? And a uh, couple of weeks passed by and uh, he came back to me and it's like, look, I couldn't get you into like the full Ironman, but I got you a free entry for the 70.3 in Cozumel. And I'm like, what is a 70.3? And he's like, well, it's, it's easier. It's like uh, half the distance. Uh, it's just a half marathon at the end. Man, you got it. It is not a big deal. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Man, I didn't even know what I, I did. I, I then realized that I have to swim, I have to bike, and then, of course, I have to run. So I literally never took a swimming class lesson in my life. And at that time, uh, it was like uh, eight and eight years ago, right? 2017. And Cosumel 73 was September. The marathon was August, uh, around July, August. So I basically had one month uh, to hire a swim coach and be like, uh, you need to help me <laughs> to make me swim. <laughs> oh, my God. And then I didn't have a bike either. I never bike. I never cycle, rode a bike. In Italy, up the mountain, it was just mountain bike. So I didn't have any clue about all the accessories, all the gears that you need to buy. And, uh, yeah, of course, it's, it's probably not the best to say, but in Italy, we don't really use a helmet. So when you're going mountain bike, it's just like a hat. <laughs> and when they're like, you need to buy a road helmet, you need to buy lights, you need to buy, like, these cleats, these shoes and such. And I start looking at the budget <laughs> and it just ramping up and I'm like... Yes, it was a free entry, but you're still spending a lot of money just to get ready for the event. And Mexico City is not that safe uh, to, to bike inside the city. So you have to take your car, you have to go outside the city, and then somewhere you have to go and cycle. So that one just adds up so much to the training. And at the time, I was lucky, though. I was a coach that was a professional triathlete in Mexico. So at least he was able to help me out with some discount, with some gears, and also like give me like a, a, the basic training plan, right? A crash course on what is a 70.3, what is a triathlon, what is a transition, what is a blue bag, what is a red bag, what is a swim skin. Um, because my idea was like, well, I'm using the swimwear, the one that I'm using, like to go to the beach and to lay down and that's it. Right. And yeah, it was, it was not like that. So, and then I didn't have any clue about nutrition. Right. That was another, another, like, uh, oof, it was, it was crazy just to start understanding like uh, the importance of nutrition. That's why as a coach is like something that I'm an advocate for and to my athlete, I'm. I'm always like providing them the guidance because uh, without nutrition, especially when you're focusing long distance, man, if you're not taking care of that one, mm -hmm. you're, you're gone, you're gone. So I take the flight to Cancun and then I realize that then you have to take a ferry to go to Cozumel. So I didn't really have any plan about the logistics. So from Cancun, you have to take a 
taxi or a bus down to Playa del Carmen. From Playa del Carmen, you have to take a ferry to Cozumel, and then you're able to race. So basically, my race, uh, it was like, oh my God, it was already a nightmare. I got there last minute for the check-in. Uh, I do the athlete check-in, already super stressed. And then uh, I think we had to, just the bike, I think, you have to drive to Chancanaba Park, that is like uh, the T1, drop off the bike, and then uh, there is like a, this uh, mega grocery store. Uh, it's called Mega Super, something like that. And then inside the parking lot, you have to drop off also like uh, your red bag. So I did that one. And um, yeah, actually, the swim was amazing. So, so many dolphins and such. Uh, the bike was uh, just perfect with a road bike, uh, entry-level track uh, road bike. And then the run, it was toasty. That I was literally like, uh, oh my God, what is this? I hate running now. <laughs> Why I sign up for this? And, and then I realized I didn't even sign up. They gave me the entry. <laughs> um, but it was like a good time. Everybody congratulates me. And uh, yeah, that's how I started triathlon. <laughs> Okay, so you weren't like completely scared off, you you know, after the first experience. Like a lot no, of people. Actually, he hooked me up. He was just like, uh, I don't know, it's like probably the dopamine effect or the release of endorphins in your body. And you're like, oh, this is so good. This is so good. Even if I never done something like this before, even if I have to put in so many hours to become good at this, it was just like the changing moment i think in my life where i finally found found the right sport for me that makes me up happy mm. right away yeah yeah so that that was again it's the drug that hooks us all right you're like I, yeah. you're, you're thinking about your next one as you're crossing the finish line pretty much right or uh, i guess in your case probably like well i got to sign up for a full now you know yeah that's yeah, actually at that, at that time uh, the full was like uh it didn't even like uh, cross my mind. Uh, I wanted to do like a more like 70.3 where I can prepare, I can get better, right? And also understanding a little bit more the sport. So going into more sprint, uh, Olympic distance, uh, um, and then understanding also the metrics, right? Uh, behind the sport, because uh, at the time I think I had uh, a Boro Garmin for runner x 70 something like that i think he was 20 years old there was like probably two buttons that was start and stop lap that was it um so <laughs> that was like uh, the gadget that i was using for the three sport i wasn't using an hr monitor i wasn't using anything power related on the bike uh, um nothing like a foot pod or anything for running either and in italy i mean i remember when we were running in high school that was no watches at that time that was just like the coach with a stopwatch and that was it you need to run the 400 the 600 the 800 the 5k this is the time that you guys have to run if you are able to run under this okay you're in the team otherwise you are not in the team for this specific event it was pretty easy right so you never really focus on HR, cadence, uh, stride length, uh, and all that stuff. But but it was fun because it allows me also like to start getting more knowledgeable about like, uh, okay, what's, what's really 
is a part of this port that actually is three sport plus nutrition plus strength plus recovery plus everything else that you put in top right so he opened my mind definitely to to be eager to learn more to understand more to get all that knowledge in and then able also to share that knowledge with others that were like just getting into the sport and not as a coach but just a person that want to help uh, the other people in the community yeah so so you, that's kind of where your love of coaching falls too right you you understood the growth that you had and you were like i i want this for everybody or i i want to share this with everybody so that's kind of what drew you to your coaching yeah that's uh that's something that uh, for me is like a, is a pillar of my coaching philosophy is like uh, sharing the knowledge and um, that's also because in my tra- trajectory in, in triathlon I have a situation where um, someone that was coaching me it was like holding information right and to me it's like uh, it doesn't work it doesn't work if you're concerned if you have fear that then the athlete is gonna leave you then probably you shouldn't be a coach uh, because if you're holding on information, if you're not sharing your knowledge and your expertise and everything, um, just because uh, maybe one year you already gave uh, all the secrets and all the recipe to success, uh, nah, it's not going to work. So for me, it's like it's super important that uh, right off the bat, uh, you sit down with me or whoever and uh, you have multiple conversation and whatever you have the question in your mind you ask me those questions and then during the journey together i'm sharing whatever comes my way whatever new technology whatever new methodology whatever new approach right like uh, last year lactate testing i mean it's popping everybody's on that trend i've been I've been like with this triathlon coach in Mexico and the guy was professional for 20 years. They were using lactate uh, since probably 1990 something, right? So it's not a big deal, but of course it's a new trend. Uh, but you're sharing with your athlete why you, you don't want to, right? So it's like, hey, are you interested in this? Of course, there is like a, the right set of athletes that should like use that technology. I don't think like a first timer should get too much noise or too much buzz around like, uh, oh, well, this is gonna make me like uh, faster right away. There is so many things first, but then depending on your journey, where you are, right? Uh, If you are a first timer, if you are like uh, uh, getting into the sport, uh, more and more and more because uh, now is the time that you're jumping on board with a coach or you're going after the pro card or you're winning your age group and such um so that's that's really important for me and uh, and the other one is like it's a all-in approach it's like um I don't really have like a different tiers of pricing and such that are basically two and it's all about like uh, this is what I'm offering is all in I'm demanding coach as well. It's not for everybody. I'm demanding a lot of, by my athletes, uh, but they can demand a lot uh, um, from me as well. That is like a, what it should be, right? When you are on this one, because you want to step up your game and you got, you want to unlock the next level. Do you get a lot of athletes that might come to you first off and go, eh, this guy's a little too intense for, for me and kind of just go away for for a bit or, or um it happened at the beginning 
I think on my on my coaching career, um, why? Because uh, probably I wasn't able to understand uh, the kind of athlete that I had in front of me, right? Uh, um, now getting more and more experience into coaching and having like to deal with uh, different personalities, different athletes, uh, again, wherever they are in their journey, uh, female, male athlete and such, uh, I'm able to understand also what the athletes want. And also that one allows me to understand this is someone that is going to come my way or can I then suggest someone else? Uh, because maybe an athlete uh, just want to improve uh, the swimming part of it, right? And it doesn't even look to running. It doesn't even look to cycling. It doesn't even care about nutrition, right? So maybe I have like a, a better coach that can suit and can fit like that specific athlete needs. And then, of course, you have athletes that, uh, first of all, are out of budget. They they don't even think like a triathlon coach is costing more than $100, right? That is another one. Versus they are going to the gym and they are paying a personal trainer 300 400 500 and that's normal. And yeah, I think we, we need to definitely do a little bit better job uh, in this sport to set up like a, a standard in terms of like uh, the time and the commitment that goes into the preparation of a specific training plan. Uh, and again, I'm speaking from a position that I'm not cop- copy and paste. I don't provide uh, just a random training plan that uh, is going to send to you and you have uh, 12 weeks uh, until your next race. Everything is customized, everything is personalized, and is literally 101. So that's also why I really have a small roster of athletes that, um, that I want to keep this way, because for me, the other big pillar is quality over quantity. And do you, do you sort of audit your athletes before they come in? Because I know... You know, we all know one of your your newest athletes, Annie, and I. I think she's a great fit for you. But I mean, I would imagine you probably don't get the caliber of athlete like Annie all the time. You might get somebody who is, you know, maybe they just want to complete. They don't want to compete, right? So, how, how do you go about kind of auditing th- that athlete that comes to you? Do you do testing with them or or something like that, and s- maybe say, hey, I don't know if this is going to work out, or this is exactly who I want. So actually, going back to the question, yes, I audit them, uh, but not from a perspective of performance. What I'm doing, I'm seeing if uh, it's a match. <laughs> and it's funny because it's like a dating app, right? It sound, but it's something like that. You're getting into a relationship with the athlete when you are like at this level. And again, it's not about performance. Like uh, I'm split at the 50-50 from... Uh, guys and girls that really want to be at the very top of the age group or even win the overall getting a slot whatever it is Kona whatever it is Nice whatever it was Lati whatever it was it is Taupo now and the first timer athlete I have a first timer athlete uh, based in Canada and uh, he was on a journey of losing weight uh, start running again um, a lot of uh, issues in his past so he was also looking to someone that he was like more of a mentor than just a regular coach um, and I literally we click right away he was just like uh, the right thing and the right uh, person and athlete that I wanted uh, in my roster and he was like uh, just starting the sport uh, didn't even have background didn't even know as i was before right i was at the very very beginning didn't even any idea of uh, oh which kind of bike do i have to get uh what is swift uh, right uh, 
what is a running shoes with carbon plates or not. So those kind of things didn't even have access to a pool. The guy never swam in his life. So there's literally like a different kind of athlete that are part of my team. And uh, I'm not excluding anyone. It's just like, uh, you need to show me that you want this badly, whatever it is. Complete a 70.3, complete a marathon, an Ironman, winning the age group, getting a slot, getting paid by your by the brand that sponsor uh, you, right? Or closing new sponsor. Whatever is your final goal, and there is a click between us, and you're showing me that you are committed, uh, that you have passion, that you are inclusive of other people in the community, that you are helping the community, I think is a great fit all the time. Um and then, of course, you need to put in the work. Um, I want to be honest right away. And uh, it wouldn't be like uh, the first time that I let someone go uh, because uh, you will see after one month or two months uh, if uh, the athlete came your way just because uh, he heard that, uh, that you are doing a great job with other athletes uh, and uh, he or she might think that uh, just because there is a training plan in training peaks, uh, automatically you're going to finish an event, right? But again, is again with the journey, with experience, with the knowledge, I'm always now getting better and better and better to understand right away if the journey can even start. So that's more the audit that I'm doing, going back to your question, Austin. Are you, are you coaching out of the MANA endurance banner or is it just goo coaching? No, it's actually um, from Mauna, um, Team Mauna. Um, What we are doing is like, uh, uh, at the time when I joined the team, I was was offered like a a position to be part of the management team when we launched Apparel uh, because of my expertise in marketing, digital marketing, and uh, in particular, pay ads. Uh, They wanted like a person with expertise on that one. So they... Yeah, they offer me a position and I'm like, uh, look, I can help you like uh, X amount of time during the week, like a couple hours. Does it work? And they were like uh, uh, pumped. And uh, yeah, it was just like a, a good moment for me as well, um, because then I got extended like an opportunity also to represent the team as Mount Apparel uh, and getting, of course, like uh, the the clothing line. That was something I was missing on my on my personal, let's say, set of brands that I that I wanted. And then, uh, yeah, from there, you went into formalize the coaching. So I was coaching before Mauna, um, but then we formalized that one as part of the, the overall agreement. And now, yeah, it's, it's through Mauna. Um, and I think there is like an advantage um, for the athlete because uh, an athlete, uh, when he's getting coached uh, by me in this case or by any uh, Mauna coaches out there, they are again, they are also getting like uh, access uh, to all the benefits uh, that are part of the team. So like discount to the sponsor, early access to release of new collection, uh, discount on training camps, uh, uh, meetups, uh, private group on Facebook, or WhatsApp, uh, and all of that. So it's uh, it's like uh, helping also building the community. So it's also a way for the athlete to get into this community, especially if they are like completely new to the sport. Um, so yes, it's part of Mauna, but uh, let's say if you're coached by me, is not that you have to become Mauna. So I have an athlete that uh, is Batty Squad. I have another athlete, Team Zoot. Uh, 
I have an athlete that is not affiliated and he doesn't look to be affiliated to any team. So it's literally like whatever fits in your needs and your life, we are, we are okay with it. And I'm okay, of course, with it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, there's you don't have to be one team or the other. I think that's hard for, for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. Can we go back? Uh, 2017, you did your first, and then all of a sudden you're superstar coach. <laughs> what, what was kind of the progression from uh, Cozumel? Obviously, you've done Kona. Right. You've, you've done the full Ironman. I mean, kind of what well, I guess what's some of the, the progression? Um, I don't know how, if you know how many how many 70.3s or how many Ironmans you've done. What Ironman did you qualify for Conat? You know, just some some of that type of info. Of course, Chris. So I lost track, to be honest, how many 70.3 I've done. <laughs> but I know how many Ironman I've done five. So from 2017, uh, that was uh, Kosuma 70.3. Uh, I wanted to go and do another 70.3. The next one in Mexico, I think it was uh, Los Cabos, uh, 70.3. Um, I think that year, that was the year of the storm or the crazy hurricane or whatever. So they end up uh, like uh, canceling or postponing. So that one didn't happen for me. And the next one in the Mexican calendar, uh, it was Campeche. It was Campeche 2018, it was uh, March, and I did that one. And uh, I think uh, the average hair temperature was around 105, 110. Oof. Water temperature was around 90, something like that. It was <laughs> boiling water. I think they didn't allow the, the pro allows the pros to use the swim skin at the time because it was too warm. Uh, I did that one, and uh, I never experienced something like bad in my life really it was like a, a suffer fast the entire day uh i think i finished uh, 11th place and just for fun we went to the roll down uh that was a south africa 70.3 world championship so we went to the roll down and actually at the time i would have got a slot so people, and I didn't take the slot because I'm like, I completely new to the sport. Uh, I don't believe I deserve a slot. Uh, I want to do like a real good performance and then get a slot right away and also prove myself that I'm able to compete at a world championship event. Uh, so I didn't get the slot, uh, but a lot of people like they, they, they come to me and they're like, Goo, you're really getting good at this sport. Uh, you shave off already like a... 20, 30 minutes from the previous 70.3. And uh, you're showing that uh, with dedication and the commitment that you have, you can really do good in this sport. Um, and that one was like uh, definitely a booster. It put me like into this uh, trajectory of uh, wanted more and more and more. So 2018, uh, it was also the moment uh, where I moved from uh, Mexico to the US. Uh, I'm based, by the way, in uh, in Los Angeles, California. Uh, I didn't say that before. And uh, yeah, 2018, I moved uh, to Los Angeles. And uh, that moment, I realized how many triathlon there is in North America, <laughs> how many triathlon there is in the U.S. So I just like uh, opened that page and I started looking at it, and there was uh, so many good things happening every single weekend. And I'm like, oh my god, I I want to sign up for everything. Um, 
I have a passion for cooking. I have a passion for uh, good food, good wines, uh, having fun with friends and family. Um, so I signed up for Santa Rosa 70.3 right away. And I'm like, that's look amazing. And going race and then I just stop there in Sonoma County and visit some wineries and get wasted <laughs> <laughs> with one glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> so I signed up for that one. And uh, unfortunately, they canceled the swim. And I was really looking forward to the swim because uh, since I moved to LA, I joined like a group that was swimming like uh, two days a week, uh, uh, open water, uh, that at the time was called uh, Smog, uh, that was based in Redondo Beach, California. Um, and now I think uh, they changed the name a couple of years ago and is uh, One with the Ocean. And yep, uh, One with the Ocean. Uh, with yeah. Brian. Yep. So that one helped me so much. And I was really, really confident about, uh, about my swim going into that race. And they canceled the, ra- canceled the swim uh, due to fog. So I think I have a number 2,370-something like that. And it's a time trial. I'm like, what the heck is a time trial? Oh, basically, you guys are going to start uh, five... Uh, athletes every 30 seconds on a bike and you just do bike t2 and run and i'm like okay is a duathlon no it's not a duathlon so they explain what a duathlon is to me so you have to run before and i'm like okay whatever it seems pretty similar to me and uh yeah i started i think uh, three hours after the pro started that race um and i was still on my road bike and i was just like uh Picking up people, uh, picking up athlete after athlete, they were going like super slow. And I'm like, what's happening? And uh, at that time, I didn't even have like any clue about like the the, system, the ranking of, of Ironman. They all the, were athletes and such. So you're getting like a priority number, low bib numbers. And then the zucchini, if you're going there early, you get also like a better number, right? Um so I, I learned that the hard way. And then I have like a sub 130 uh, half marathon uh, on my third 70.3. And he put me in in a good position again. And he was like, uh, there was like these uh, super strong dudes of Team Everyman Jack guy. Um, they, one of them, I think I came over and congratulated me. He was like, uh, man, you did an impressive run and such. And I'm like, thank you. And uh, it was my third 70.3 at the time. And I'm like, oh, wow, this sport is, uh, is probably something really, really cool. Uh, I should do more on, on this, right? And uh, yeah, I signed up for, uh, I don't remember, something in, in September of October. I don't have on top of my head. And then uh, the next one was December, India was La Quinta 70.3. It was the first year that they've, uh, that they've done it. And, uh, well, unfortunately, that one didn't go, the fourth one that I don't remember the place didn't go as planned. The fifth one, India Wells La Quinta, didn't go as planned as well because I got the queue. Uh, and funny story, I got the queue. I got a text message after the race, number, blah, 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 you're getting the queue. And I'm now, like, now, what did you get DQ'd for at Lakita? What happened? I don't even know. And then uh, I'm, I'm, and there is this text message, and it's like, uh, please contact uh, number, this number, if you have any question. Yeah, I have many questions. Uh, because that time I, I broke like the, the top 10 in the age group for the first time, and I was super happy. 
Well, I contact this number. They put me in contact uh, with the head referee um, that uh, you can Google who the head referee of Ironman is. I'm not going <laughs> to say the name. Uh, you never know in the future. Um, so I speak with the guy and uh, it's like, yeah, you got a drafting penalty. And I'm like, what do you mean a drafting penalty? I didn't get one. And he starts saying, yeah, of course, uh, it was you. Uh, stop playing games. Um, I'm not here for uh, for wasting my time and discussing with athletes uh, that are drafting and are not serving the penalties. And I'm like, really tell me what happened because I, I don't know. And he's like, uh, well, someone uh, had to show you a, a card uh, saying out loud your number and telling you that you are drafting. And I'm like, uh, no, man, nobody did that. And he's like, well, let me make some phone calls and blah, blah, blah. So he makes some phone calls. And then after 20 minutes, he called me back. And, and he's like, well, I spoke with the, with the referee. Um, there, w- there might be some confusion or such. Um, and I'm like, so you're removing the, the DQ, right? And the guy's like, no, we don't do this. And I'm like, uh, at the time, my, my triathlon coach, Mexican guy, is like, uh, ask him, to, to have approved, to show you something, a picture or the number that they took down on the, on the car that they are, they are ending out the penalties. So I asked that and they're like, uh, uh, no, we don't, uh, we don't have any, any proof. Uh, and I'm like, well, in Mexico, they do that. <laughs> the guy's like, uh, well, this is not Mexico, my friend. I trust my referees. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is going south already. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And I'm like, uh, so is there something we can do? I mean, you don't have any proof. And the answer and the reason that I got was, uh, we know it was you. You know it was you. It was a black bike. <laughs> like, a black I mean, I had, bike. I have a canyon. At that time, it was yeah, black with white. And I'm like, in my head, yeah, there is probably 80% of the bike in 2018 or 2018, I don't remember, that are black out there. Of course, you just play like uh, the card of, uh, yeah, let's go with a, with a random color that, uh, yeah, you're definitely going to have like an 80% chance. And I really got the cue. And uh, it, it was an insane experience, to be honest, uh, because since then, I didn't really have like a, a good experience on 70.3. So on this trajectory, Chris, of, uh, from uh, first 70.3 to becoming coach and going to con and such, like the first moments and the first events were super rough. Yes, I, I, I got hooked into the sport. Yes, it was amazing. But it was really difficult because uh, event after event, it was like a kind of a bad experience for me. So it was really tough. Um but again, I am a kind of person that uh, I'm not getting like, uh, uh, how do you say, like, uh, I'm not like easy uh, to to put down and uh, to be in a situation that uh, you give up on, on something or dreams and goals. Um, so the next season starts and I'm like, uh, okay, let's, uh, let's start, let's start changing everything. Let's start uh, doing something, something different. Um, so I'm starting like thinking about, okay, let's go back to Mexico. Maybe I'm, I'm more lucky over there and there is like a, an opportunity for, for having a good performance. Um, so I sign up for Monterey 
in Mexico. Uh, that is in May, um, and uh, I think it was uh, one of the first event in the Ironman circuit that you can say that the swim is a little bit assisted uh, because he started from a point and he finished to another. So he started from uh, something that's called Parque Fundidora. So it's like a, a park uh, that they have like a statue monuments uh, and it's a canal that the, normally they have like these small boats uh, that are uh, putting tourists on and they are showing around, right? Um, and you get into like basically downtown Monterey uh, through this canal is like a 1.2 miles. Um, so what's happening is not that there is a current, but if you are placing yourself, you are seating yourself uh, across the front, right? What is happening with all the athletes that jump into the water after you, they are creating small waves and they are creating a current. So if you are at the very front, uh, you're getting pushed by all the amount of people that are entering this canal. So at that time, like uh, it was my first event that I broke uh, uh, 30 minutes. So I went 29 on the swim. I was super happy. <laughs> I was really super, super happy. How does that compare to your first swim? So my first 70.3, I think it was uh, 38 minutes, 39 minutes. So even 38 for someone who well, but also swim. Th think about 38 non-wetsuit because Cosmo's non-wetsuit. Correct. Yeah. Right. Correct. So he wasn't so a coming bad in someone swimmer. that didn't swim. Yeah. yeah you, you obviously picked it up pretty fast. But Kosumal also, I think, uh, he's helped you a bit, right? Uh, I mean, even if he's not uh, like uh, the full Ironman that you start from Chancanaba and you go, sorry, you start from uh, uh, the Royal Kosumal and you go down to Chancanaba to the park, I think the 70.3, like the loop, the majority of the loop, uh, you have current in your favor. So I think uh, I was all so helped by that one for the first one, right? So... Uh, but yeah, he's always been like under 40 minutes. Yeah. So. But uh, but at Monterey 70.3 being on 29, it was like starting the day uh, the right way uh, already. Yeah, and for those not familiar with Monterey, the the canal he's speaking of, almost if you've anybody knows of like San Antonio, the Riverwalk, where they, where they have you know the 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 man-made river that's maybe 20 feet wide that kind of runs through downtown. Think of it that way. Um, it's a it's a it's a definitely a, a point to point. Uh, internal river canal that runs through the city um it's cool because there's there's bridges and arches that you know you have fans over it's it's basically a race where you have fans on and spectators all kind of all along the, the swim course that are cheering and you can you can hear and see because every time you take a breath you're looking at the faces of these people they're so close it's actually a really cool experience i i, I race monterey I, I enjoyed it although that was my dq race so fuck those guys but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there it you was go. The black, it was the black bike. Yeah, yeah. it was a black yeah. bike. Mine was a white bike. <laughs> Fuck that. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, mine was a, mine was even a worse route. I think I've recapped what happened over there. But uh, yeah. So uh, had, yeah, how, how did you enjoy yeah. the uh, the bike on Monterey? It's a it's a really fast bike, um, except the, the cobbles, right? That cobble section. Yeah. yeah. The cobble section, it's, it's kind of crazy, I mean, uh, but otherwise, uh, it, it's beautiful. I was lucky that year, uh, there was no wind. So the highway, for those not familiar, the, the bike is on a highway that is closed down um, just for, uh, for the race, so it's basically super fast. 
um the the pavement it, it was great except uh, there is a cobblestone section that you have to get uh, twice into it uh, and is uh, on a tunnel as well so there's not a lot of lighting either uh so you see like uh, some people falling so it's not super funny that one you need to have like a good handling skills uh but otherwise it was great i think uh yeah it was 220 or less than 220 on that on the bike uh for me and then uh, the run was also great uh, uh was slippery though um there is a lot of aid station close uh, to the canal that you swim in and by the day it goes by just like uh, they are putting everything on it and it gets slippery so there are i heard that sometime it happened that some athletes goes into the canal at the end because they are like sleeping on something so not funny um well, but that yeah and that that one was like basically my first podium on the 70.3 as well um let's say the extended podium fourth place the first fourth place of many that we are oh, going to we'll, talk about we'll get into it. that <laughs> <laughs> are, are you but, are you a forever fourth i can't count the number of fourth places i have in my career i, I call it forever i'm forever yeah, fourth you can see down there there are so many <laughs> That I mean, that's that's the other one, right? Uh, uh, I I know that Ironman wants to be inclusive, and it's good things, right? That there is an extended podium, but uh, for me, especially growing up in Italy, fourth place is, I think, is worse than second place. To be honest, a lot of people <laughs> said that second place is the worst. I don't know. I don't know about that. A silver medal is 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 a lot of time is pretty sweet, especially if you know for a fact that the guy in front of you is like a a beast, right? And there were basically nothing that you you could have done to be that guy, right? Versus a fourth place. Yeah, I don't know. It's just probably my experience (laughs) that I don't like fourth places. Yeah, and then... uh, Going back to the to the journey, uh, then after that, uh, I think I, I go, well, and by the way, during the triathlon journey, I always sign up for run races, so marathon, uh, half marathon, uh, 10K, 5K, uh, I think those are great. Um, I always like uh, push and invite my athlete to sign up for those because they are making you a better athlete, even if it is like a standalone swim, like open water 5K or such, or also a cycling event you're learning like different dynamics uh that at the end of the day just like adding up to your skills uh, to your like a baggage of experience if you want to say that way uh that it can be like perfect for uh for the triathlon for your a race whenever it comes so that year i go to a oh sorry there's a question oh no i was gonna say so you're gonna get annie into more running races yeah for sure I'm going to sign her up uh, as a Christmas present already. Yeah. <laughs> she's going to get like an invite uh, on, on Training Peaks, uh, an event over there, and she's going to be like, hey, I didn't sign up for this one. Wow, <laughs> too late. Yeah, Merry Christmas. A Christmas present yeah. from your coach. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that year I then went into Escape Folk Alcatraz. Uh, that was crazy cold swim, uh, but it was good. It was really good race, uh, super challenging event uh, for those that never done it. Uh, now I know it's uh, it's quite expensive. I heard someone was telling me that uh, it bumped up almost uh, as a as a price of an Ironman, a full Ironman. So the year that I did it, uh, I think it was uh, still uh, 
manageable in terms of price. It was kind of like kind of 70.3 kind of range, mm-hmm. probably the higher end, but, uh, but still was good. Um, but it was a great experience, uh, like in between, right, from a sprint Olympic or I don't even know um, the, the real distance, uh, because I think uh, it's 3K swim, 40K bike, and then more than 10K, 12K run, something like that. So they are playing with the distance, but I mean, uh, the sand, the ladder, um, running on the beach, uh, all the climbing on the bike, uh, it was great. It was great. Um yeah, and I did it on a road bike that one, so it was it was good, it was definitely good. And then that year, I think I had another seventy point three in between, and I don't remember which one now. And then I signed up. Actually, I traveled back to Italy and I raced my first full Ironman. That has to be in Italy. That it was Cervia, um, two thousand nineteen, uh, just before COVID, because it's in uh, September. Uh, that race uh, and it went really really well um i i was going i was trying to complete the event i was trying as a stretch goal to go sub 10 and if i remember correctly i went 921 if i remember correctly or 1922 nice. uh, and wow. i got a flat and uh, my chain drop and uh, damn they weren't able to find uh, uh, my bag in transition too. So a lot of things happen. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a great day. Just just went out like uh, perfectly on pacing. And the bike, of course, super fast. Italy also is like a great first time in race, I think. It's pancake flat, uh, highway, uh, no wind that day. And then the run kind of be challenging uh, for loops. So for some people, it's, uh, it can be like... Uh, too much right especially when you're constantly running the same place uh but for me like seeing uh, my family from there my friends from italy uh just cheering on me and such it was like uh, amazing it was literally amazing it gave me so much energy um to run a 309 off the bike and it was like uh it was mind-blowing mind-blowing to have like uh, that experience as my first uh, full ironman yeah, and even to work through like all those issues as well. I mean, again, it's just it's it's building experience and also experience you can pass along to your athletes that you know never get down during a race. There's still time to turn things around. You know, there, no race is going to be absolutely perfect, so things are going to happen. Mentally prepare for it, move past it once it's done, and just focus on what you can control. So, yeah, all good lessons, is, you know, in your first one. Yeah, completely. Completely. And uh, yeah, and then uh, COVID hits. So we all know uh, what happened. I wasn't able to race for uh, uh, basically a year and a half. Um, I think I signed up for those uh, virtual uh, kind of things of Ironman. And uh, here, please talk trash about me because uh, I was one of that guy that didn't have a slot uh, for <laughs> Ironman 70.3 World Championship San George and I got a slot uh, through a virtual race. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow, I didn't realize they gave slots through the virtual race. You had uh, you have to win, I think, uh, the race. Uh, or you have to be top three. I think that was like one or three slots. So 
I won um, the race that I signed up for. Um, you had to swim in the pool um, with someone that was filming you if you were going for a slot, uh, with someone that was filming you to show that it was you, uh, that uh, you weren't using any flotation devices, any fins uh, or anything. Uh, so that one. And then I think it was Chattanooga 70.3. Uh, the course on the bike that you had to do through full gas. Uh, also, that one, you had to wait. You had to submit the proof of your weight on the race morning. Uh, you had to use a smart trainer. I think the only one available was basically like the Wahoo and the Tux um, at that time. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, on the, on the run, to be honest, you could have played different things because the only... Um, variable they were looking for it was like a GPS file but they weren't looking at any proof so if you are like a smart guy uh, you could have basically bike record that as a run activity and get away with it and be like yeah I run a 120 something like that hmm. I run a 124 I think or 123 uh, on that one so See? for me it was like it's my, it's my pattern of running off the bike and I did off the bike because I didn't want to to wait too much after the the the, the Chattanooga, let's say, uh, ride on that full gas. So so it was good. It was good. And, and I so with those that, virtuals, did you need to do one after another after another with transitions, or could you have taken a week and? You could have take uh, multiple hours. Yeah. You need you need to have like twenty four hours. It was same to complete. day. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So if you were starting 7 a.m. on um, Saturday, you had to finish by 6.59 the next day, so on a Sunday. And okay. it was allowed only from Friday. I think it was starting 6 a.m. Australia time, and it was ending 9 p.m. Hawaiian time, something like that on the Sunday. So you also have like a, um, a time frame to do it. Uh, that if you're doing like a for yourself and you want to to how do you say show and prove that that you have the numbers it was like a hard a hard kind of things to do i mean uh, if you're going all out for two hours uh, 30 minutes on the bike on a trainer is really painful and it is way more painful than being outside right yeah, and for sure. uh, having the cooling effect and and such the only thing you had you had to do a gps for the run so you couldn't have done on the treadmill that he was the other one. Yeah. You think they would have looked at cadence or looked at some other way to, to know that you didn't use an, an e-bike. Or did yeah. you just have somebody else run for you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, you could have someone else run for you. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah. I, I, I didn't even think about it. I should have done. So who has a PR now on the half marathon off the bike of uh, 108? That is what uh, this past weekend they ran off the bike. 156 into 108 oh my god that's crazy that's crazy so fast yeah well going back uh, to to the question chris and then uh, uh yeah that, that was basically it and then starting racing the 70.3 san george and then that year i signed up for ironman arizona i wanted uh, uh that was my second uh, full ironman and i really wanted to go after a slot and going uh, sub nine um, Wait, so quick question. Then, you, you didn't get a slot yeah. with the 920 in Italy? Oh, no. What? I was like a 20th something place. Oh, wow. No, they, I think I think the top five, I was uh, under nine hour. Oh, wow. so, wow. I, I'm not familiar with that course, so. 
No, it's super fast, super, super fast. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, you can easily go, I think, uh, if you're preparing really well, you can go 840, 845. Um, I think like with the level of fitness that I had going into Sacramento, uh, and if of course the conditions are perfect in Italy, that would have put, probably put me in that ballpark for, for Ironman Italy, because also the swim, uh, you're running like uh, for the first 200 meters before like you start actually swimming and then you're exiting the swim and you are like probably hundred, hundred meters, 150 meters that you're running out. Yeah. Okay. So that's because it's very it's really that. shallow yeah oh interesting it is it's uh, basically one of those uh real that someone posted about running the entire way <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah arizona the goals didn't happen so i didn't go uh sub nine and i finished fourth again <laughs> and i didn't get a slot three slots again no Kona slot. Oh. It's okay though. Um, I start getting used to it. Uh, I'm I'm feeling it now for the fourth. I'm like, do you know what? A training or not training? I'm gonna finish fourth. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. So that one didn't happen. And then uh, actually with Ida, we go on a beautiful uh, getaway that uh, we did in Palm Spring. Uh, that was like a tour riding, uh, just me and her. Um, starting dating and such, uh, and uh, on on a on a tent, uh, just me and her having bottle of wines, riding every day, and that was like my lead up. Actually, it was my recovery week. Lead up also from Ironman Arizona, and then lead up to Indian Wells La Quinta seventy point three. So I'm going Indian Wells La Quinta seventy point three without expectation, with the experience of the previous year of getting the queue, and I'm like, do you know what? Yeah, whatever. Let's uh, let's uh, let's let's have fun. And uh, funny story: for the first time, I don't uh, use a watch on the swim because I'm like uh, I don't care to to see like the time on the swim. I'm uh, just put like the time of the day on the bike computer, so I don't even use watch. Um, and then, uh, if you're familiar with Ilnoas La Quinta, you see someone that you know basically when you're starting the run. Uh, when you're getting out of the tennis garden and then you're by yourself and then at the start of the second loop and then at the finish line. Uh, so I didn't even know where I was. And I was like uh, around me, like uh, other athletes that I know and a good friend of mine, Craig. Um, and I play like uh, uh, mind games with him, poker face. And I tell him, oh man, you need to slow down. You're going too fast. And uh, for a reason, he's behind me. And I know for a fact that he started ahead of me on the swim. And I'm like, damn it, the guy is really good. If he's behind me, then I'm, I'm probably like uh, doing great in this race. And uh, I start the second lap and someone is screaming at me, you are in first, you are in first. And uh, there was like other people around me. And uh, I, I'm like, yeah, probably they're screaming at them, blah, blah, blah. And uh, at the start of second lap, Lionel Sander passed by. And he said, uh, uh, he said something about like my, my run and it's like, you're doing great or something like that. And he passed me. And then uh, after a while, let's say one or two K, he passed me again. And I'm like, I didn't pass, Lionel, what happened? And it was the year that he had to stop oh, at the, the bathroom multiple yeah. times. Yes. And then he passed me a third time. And then I start looking at Lionel and I try, I try to stay with Lionel. And I'm like, well, I mean, 
it's kind of okay it's too much of course i'm burning all the matches and um and that was it and then i i go to the finish line across the finish line super happy and then they told me that i won the age group just to say that sometimes yeah all the the fitness that you banked on an ironman before on the training that you've been doing properly then it can show up later on and uh, yeah sometimes we don't see in the moment like the goals coming like uh, achieving them or like uh, understanding what you've done on a previous race because you had a bad experience on a roll down or not going like uh, the specific time that you wanted but then some some others you're getting surprised and you're having an amazing experience so that was like my first uh, age group win and it was just just amazing and then uh, yeah I, I i just soak it in uh, everything and uh, it was great it was great <laughs> Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, yeah. I, I specifically remember that race with Lionel having uh, all of those issues, having to stop over and over. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Poor, poor guy. Yeah. Um, and then after that, they convinced me to go to St. George Full. Uh, so I, I got actually a slot to the World Championship in St. George while I was in Arizona. I took it just in case. Uh, and I'm like, because uh, by the way, it was a double qualifier. It was qualifying for Kona and it was also qualifying for San George Fool. So I took the slot for San George Fool um, for the World Championship. And I'm like, yeah, let's see how it goes. And I go into it like with the idea, well, it's the North American Championship, it's the World Championship. They are giving away a slot for Kona for the same year, right? So let me try and see what I can do. So that was like my third one. And it went pretty pretty well, except that then I ended up at the medical tent because it was uh, over 100 degrees and I didn't have proper nutrition or hydration during the race because I went into too cocky being like uh, well the bike ride is gonna be around five hours and such i'm gonna crush it and then i'm gonna run a three-hour marathon on this course <laughs> well that didn't go according to plan right uh, the bike uh, uh i went 520 something and then the run i went 320 still sub 10 hours uh still put me like in the i think 13th 14th place and that one actually got me uh, a corner slot and I took it, and that's the way uh, to go back to your question, Chris, how I qualify for, for Kona, and it was uh, Kona 2022 already. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So at the World Championships, you qualified for the next year. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. That's cool. That, I mean, it was called uh, Ironman World Championship 2021, right? But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, mm -hmm. it happened in May 2022 uh, due to COVID. So it was basically like a, uh, a double World Championship kind of year. Um, and it was great. The experience uh, in Kona was just just incredible, like a uh, humble, humbling experience. Uh, you see, like all the people that are out there. Of course, uh, I also like uh, coming from uh, from a position that I'm not training even close uh, to th those guys that are out, out there on the on the top of the age group that are like probably at 20, 25, 30 hours a week, right? So for me, still like uh, coming home with a top 50, 921 in Kona, my first Kona, uh, it was it was just incredible. And it was it was beautiful. Even if if even if at the end you are you're suffering badly uh, coming back home from the energy lab it's it was just you can you can feel like uh, the the island you can feel the energy you can feel the vibe uh, and uh yeah it's kona and uh it was just pure magic that's great now did you race to try and go to nice or were you not interested in racing in nice 
No, actually, I didn't race any full Ironman event uh, between Kona and uh, uh, the last one that I did, Ironman California, there were any qualifier for uh, for Ironman uh, World Championship in Nice. Um, so funny story, I didn't even receive any of those uh, beautiful emails telling Hey, Goo, you can go to the Ironman World Championship in East. Do you want us? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get any. But uh, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go because I had I had different plan for me uh, in September, um, and especially I, I wanted really to help Ida in the preparation, the lead up for for Kona. So that one wasn't fitting properly, and then also uh, I had the Taupo seven. Sorry, I had the Lati seventy point three. Um, so that was like, uh, it doesn't really fit. I think it was one or the other, especially like, uh, if you are committed here home, right. Uh, with, uh, the different things that, uh, that are part of my life, uh, staying like four weeks in Europe, uh, wasn't, wasn't really an option. So that's also like, uh, the decision for me of not racing Nice was, was kind of obvious. And then, yeah, I think that was a tough decision for many, you know, if, if they yeah. went to, to one to stay for a month, uh, it just wasn't really possible. So yeah, for some, it was a hard decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for some, it's a hard decision to stay for <laughs> that long. You should have started a GoFundMe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could have stayed as long as I wanted. Um, yeah. I mean, you kind of touched on it in Ironman California. I mean, you went 828 in California. Is that right? 828. Yes, sir. And, uh, I just want to point out too, I know Chris was really, really wanting to beat you on the swim. He thought that would be the only thing that he'd beat you on. And uh, how'd that go? Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> I played smartly though. I let him go first to row in front of me. So I had those uh, 10 second advantages, right? And then I just like uh, burn a match right there and I catch up with, uh, with Chris right away. And then uh, actually we, we worked together for a while. And then I think someone put uh, himself between me and Chris and I was leading. And I think that person then start going in the wrong direction. And then Chris got caught into, into something with that person or a buoy or something. So at the end of the day, I just like uh, hammered through the end. But, but it was just like, I think, uh, 30 seconds or such. So nothing nothing crazy. But still, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I beat Chris in all the three disciplines. Uh, yeah. And uh, most importantly, in transition one transition to that i don't know what he did there <laughs> i know he was coffee, <laughs> yeah croissant. yeah he was making his espresso there yeah yeah i know he said he really he's like that's the one thing i wanted to beat goo and he's like i i relinquished everything else i wanted to beat him in the swim um how did how did you find the swim because we've had many conversations about about uh downriver swims so what, what, what your fitness level is at right now, if it's not a down river, what do you, th cause you swam a 38, 12. So what do you think non down river, where do you think your fitness is at for, for that type of swim? So depending of, uh, if it was like a wetsuit or non wetsuit. So let's say a wetsuit swim, mm -hmm. feeling good. Uh, now probably the fitness level will put me in the ballpark of 55, 56. Oh, okay. So like around, uh, at 20 minutes. So let's say if you want to put an asterisk uh, on, on that one, uh, yeah, what I said before, an 8.45, 8.48, I think like uh, 20 minutes approx, 15 to 20 minutes, depending, of course, also if uh, if you are a good drafter on the swim 
or not. Um, I think it's something like uh, uh, that you definitely need to, to, to put in consideration uh, for that race. Uh, um, I, I did uh, find uh, the swim um, kind of uh, easier than expected, to be completely honest. I think they did a great job compared to last year on placing the buoy um, mm. from... Uh, uh, the American River yeah. going into the Sacramento River. So it was kind of uh, easier than last year. But oh. I know, for example, a lot of people like mess up though with that buoy. Yeah. So they have to swim back. Yeah. So the year was kind of easy. And then I got like a, uh, an amazing like a tip from a person that did the last year um, that he was like, try to swim uh, as much as possible in the center of both the river yes. because the current is stronger. And it was, it was true. Yeah. It was uh, like uh, you were flying. Yeah. And then, of course, it's like uh, uh, be also uh, smart about uh, how to change the stroke, I think, in that situation. So try to glide, uh, try to stretch it out, go longer, uh, and just like trying to pull more, like to produce more energy when you're pulling versus like uh, having a higher cadence, higher stroke rate uh, that uh, it might be more beneficial when it is like choppy condition or going against as well or going like into into some weird current in other in other events, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, did you did you plan to swim? Because the one thing I always think about is it's a downriver. I mean, it's hard to judge just how much faster you're going to go, right? But if you're swimming for 40 minutes you know, that effort could be a whole lot harder than if you swim for 55 minutes to an hour. So did you have plans to swim closer to maybe threshold or anything like that? Or you just, you were swimming what you would swim a full? So actually, um, I need to give a, like a, a piece of information. Um, coming back from Kona, uh, that was Monday. That was my Monday of race week. Uh, um, I got covid uh, so she got sick and then on Wednesday I start uh, feeling sick as well so temperature congestion um, HRV gone basically um, and uh, yeah I mean something was definitely going on it wasn't COVID so with my coach we basically like say let's test for COVID every single day if it comes out positive you're not gonna race um, and then uh, let's check on uh, uh, Saturday and then on Sunday morning, how you feel, and then we go from there. So my my fitness, even if it was there, um, I think I was at 80, 85% of my capabilities. Um, and I wanted to go hard on the swim, but I wasn't able to. Uh, mainly related to the fact that I wasn't able to breathe properly uh, due to the cold. I mean, the water wasn't, wasn't crazy cold, but I think it was 61, 62. Um, so you, you start feeling it, right? It's like, um, it was like this congestion and this pressure that was putting on my chest. It wasn't allowing me like to, to breathe in enough, I think. So that one again, put me probably on a 80% kind of effort versus probably like, uh, a 70.3, I, I wouldn't gone like a, a, a threshold. Um, so I wouldn't go like a hundred because it's a long day. So even if it is like a downriver swim, you still have to bike and run. Um, and I want, I didn't want to burn that many matches. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I will say like a 80% kind of, kind of effort on the swim that, uh, that is not ideal, right? Because, uh, 
uh, I already like uh, uh, missed the opportunity to work with the guys uh, in the in the front pack of the bike, uh, and that one like uh, yeah put me up in a situation uh, that I I basically ride by myself the entire day. Did you enjoy that bike course? I mean, it's actually pretty scenic out there. I mean, it gets a little boring, but it's it's a great bike course. I mean, to be honest, I enjoy it a lot. Uh, um, I, I'm not a person that is it gets bored easily. Uh, before, where you guys were saying that two hours, three hours on on the trainer is tough. Uh, Chris, I'm it's mainly my butt. It's my butt. <laughs> it's not my mind. <laughs> My butt can't, I, I just haven't built up indoor training butt for three hours. I just can't handle it. No. So during COVID, I mean, uh, I did, uh, I checked off all the badges on Swift. Uh, and I also did uh, the virtual Everesting. That one took me 11 hours. So more than a full Ironman for me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm used to it. I'm used to training indoor. Uh, my preparation for Kona last year also, it was a lot of uh, indoor riding. Uh, just to make sure that you are hitting like the right temperature here in SoCal, we are too spoiled uh, with the weather, so it's impossible to replicate those conditions. So the only way to do it is like overdress yourself, uh, being indoor, like a uh, closing windows, uh, minimal fan, uh, minimal air ventilation. Um, so I was really used to that, uh, um, and I'm used to it. So for me, California was just perfect. It was like a scenery. Uh, I, I mean. It was nice, to be honest. And the, on the first loop, the condition was just perfect. Uh, again, I wasn't feeling, I was feeling okay, so I wasn't able to hold my, my Ironman watts. So I think that one also maybe helped me to enjoy a little bit more what was around me. Um, for example, uh, with uh, with Chris, uh, two days before the race, uh, we drove uh, and we ride uh, like uh, 40 minutes uh, part of the course. Uh, and there was like a pumpkin, pumpkin patch uh, field. Uh, and uh, I remember going into that one while racing and I'm like, oh, look at where you are. Uh, and those kind of connections just help you, right? Mm, and then, uh, yeah, the second lap, it was windy. Uh, wind started picking up pretty, pretty, pretty badly. Actually, I think it was uh, definitely over 10, 12 miles an hour, and then it went probably at the very, very end. It was across 15 to 20, so we started feeling a bit like a crosswind and uh, and such. But I was already like on the way home, so you definitely get a boost uh, there on energy and and the mindset. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing, of course, I'm normally used to work with people all the time on the bike, uh, whatever it is, a 70.3, whatever it is, an Ironman, taking turns, making sure that uh, that we are speeding up like the group. Uh, this time, like, uh, yeah, I was 112 miles basically by myself. So literally, like, uh, I, I had to talk of so many things. Um, and I even made a post about it. And it was like... Uh, being almost on David Jones' locker uh, from Pirates of the Caribbean, right? By yourself uh, with the little crabs around uh, on the ship <laughs> and there are multiple goos around you. And uh, yeah, one is suffering, the other one is happy, one is thinking of Ida, the other one is thinking about the suckers that uh, is still one hour behind you and he still has to <laughs> ride 50 miles of the course. Uh, and you're like, oh my God, that guy's not. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> but you know, it was, it was good. It was good. And that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, T2 was was great, uh, and it was still before the downpour of rain. And uh, yeah, clock uh, for 40, so it was good. It was good, definitely a, a great ride. Yeah, I mean, and then you you cooked out of T2, 236. That's 
I mean, it's not a short transition. I mean, that that's that's fast. So did you you just hopped off the bike, grabbed your stuff, and you're out? Yeah, I mean, to me, transition is like where I'm making up uh, normally, like uh, the, those minutes from the swim, right? Uh, that those uh, super fast swimmer they give me, and then uh, on T two is the same. Like I know that uh, I'm probably like not. Uh, um at the very very top top of the bike split so there is probably like a five to ten minutes deficit from some people but depending i mean not all of them are like fast swimmers uh so i'm trying to be as fast as possible so it was a good t2 yeah. definitely and, and then just real quick i mean you don't have to give away all your secrets or anything but kind of your fueling strategy um are you trying to hit a certain carb count uh do you have times that you feed do you just eat when you're hungry how, how does that all go for you yeah i don't really believe in carbs i think carbs are, are bad for the world i think uh, one gel of 25 grams uh, of carb uh, is enough for the entire ironman okay <laughs> well kidding. <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding i love carbs uh, and uh, purely no, fat fuels as an yeah, italian yeah. i was like yeah this is horse shit yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i'm listening in a break <laughs> talking about wine <laughs> pasta no, i mean i do really believe carbs are, are king and uh, if you're if you're not fueling properly uh the entire ride uh, you're never going to be able to run fast off the bike. Um, and again, it's not, a, it's not a problem. I can definitely share what I'm, what I'm having. Um, there's no real secrets. I mean, I had like a, a Q&A uh, on Instagram after the race uh, and, uh, yeah, sharing, sharing everything, like the amount of hours going into the race, uh, uh, normalized power, and um, for nutrition, I try to target uh, around 100, 110, 120 uh, gram of carbs per hour on the bike, depending, of course, the condition, right? Uh, um, is not the same when you're racing in Kona uh, versus racing in California in almost a perfect uh, weather for racing condition, right? So in California, it was uh, 120. Um, I think uh, I count that uh, with a 440, I still was over 600 grams of carbs. So I was probably like uh, way over 120 per hour. Is that um, liquid primarily? So it's, uh, it's a mix, actually. I'm doing a solid uh, gels and then liquids. Um, the solids uh, uh, comes uh, normally from bars normally one two bars or uh, stroop waffles as well and they are normally consumed in the first hour and a half to two hours depending on how i feel and uh, depending also how the course is and then every basically 20 minutes um i have like um, this magic potion made out of uh, 15 to 20 gels down the tube mix a little bit with water and i was just taking a gulp uh, of it every 20 minutes and then uh, I having uh, the Goo Rock 10 drink mix on uh, the rear uh, with two gels on it one, on that one. So it's basically 100 on that bottle. And then I'm swapping and I'm refilling the front of my bike that I have like uh, integrated hydration system. So that one goes just water. And then on the back, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm good with the Gatorade endurance formula uh, that they are serving on course. I never have an issue with that one. It goes well for me. So I'm trying to get like a, um, one bottle of water every aid station and one bottle of gas every two-way station um then some extra 
salt or sodium tubs if it is like super crazy hot and california wasn't so um it's good i'm a heavy sweater but i don't sweat uh, uh too much salt so for me it's like uh, it it pretty easy i i can get like away with uh with a minimal sodium intake for the for the bike ride but uh, yeah. that that one is like basically like my 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 strategy for the bike now how does that carb intake uh not total carb but carb per hour intake compare to a similar weather 70.3 say la quinta yeah so it, it depends right in terms of like uh, how uh, hard I'm trying to go so what I've seen is like uh, the higher the intensity on the bike uh, the less amount of carbs uh, um, I'm able to tolerate and process without having stitches on the run so let's say I want to go 90 to 92% 95% even of FTP on a 70.3 so really go all out because my idea was like I just want to have my PR on the bike probably I will bring it down to 80 grams of carbs per hour uh, on a regular 70.3 even uh, this one india was la quinta or the previous one um when i'm targeting 85 to 90 percent of ftp kind of um i'm trying to put in still uh, 100 grams per hour okay. uh, and is in the base just of liquids though i avoiding the solid again for a fact that uh, since i'm going harder and i push myself harder uh, i want to be sure that there's no discomfort in the stomach so mm -hmm. no stitches mainly by the way no gi issues so it's just like stitches that means that i didn't uh, process the food uh, entirely normally and then for, for the run what are you feeling with on the run so for the run is uh, like a 60 grams of carb per hour uh, coming from the form of gels and then uh, i think i'm i'm getting closer than to 80 maybe because uh, every other station i'm getting gatorade red bull and coke so for me even the run is a rolling buffet i'm starting with water i have a gatorade i have a coke i have a red bull well one of the other sorry it's a Coke or Red Bull, and then I'm washing down everything with the water at the end. So I'm basically like targeting to have almost five cups every station worth of product that some of them are like uh, carbs on it, right? So I don't really have a way to quantify that one, but I will say that per hour and uh, having like an aid station every mile, mile and something that would be quantified in, in the form of 20 gram of carbs right in addition of the 60 that are coming on a form of three gels basically yeah and you, so you're starting the coke and red bull early from the from the start from the first right away oh man okay yeah yeah you don't i i don't want to to wait at all uh also because uh, i saw that uh, having coke and red bull so early uh it allows me like to to process uh all the food that I have on the bike and making sure that everything is super well digested. Uh, and if I have something like a gases, I'm burping them or such and, and I'm good to go. And that one, yeah, it normally set me up to, for success. Um, and also I, I need to say something it's like, uh, for the week, race week. So one week before leading up for the race, I don't drink any more caffeine. So for me, oh, as soon as man. I'm starting getting those caffeine on the run, it's like, uh, it's drug. It's basically <laughs> like, uh, 
is doping. It, you're feeling like a different person. You're like a scene, the light in front of you. And yeah, you don't feel fatigue and you're able to push further and further. Even if in the case of specific California, I mean, as soon as the, as the, the downpour, the rain started and the temperature drop again for the same chest pain and congestion. Yeah. I, I wasn't able to breathe anymore. So my split went from, uh, I think uh, 630, 635 uh, per mile. I think we were already at 650 and then they went to a seven, seven something. Yeah. Um, but again, not for a fact of a lack of nutrition, not for a fact of uh, starting early to have caffeine. I think uh, it's, it's mainly related to the fact that I wasn't feeling well. And yeah, the drop of temperature and that uh, so much air and humidity in the air, yeah, didn't allow me to to be able to to process oxygen actually and and be and be able to to push the right way yeah on on the caffeine front i kind of feel the same way whereas i don't i'm not a coffee drinker i don't drink coke so i don't really have caffeine in my day-to-day life the only time i i really feel with caffeine is i have my my weekend bike workout and that's where i'll take caffeine but yeah for 70.3 i probably take like 800 milligrams of caffeine on race day and for an ironman it's close to like you know, 1500, 1600. So I definitely feel, feel that caffeine boost, um, especially from somebody who doesn't regularly drink coffee or intake caffeine. It's, it's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, And for me, I'm like uh, growing up in Italy and having like a lot of uh, uh, coffee at the end of the day is like, uh, in a regular day, I always having like a one, two, or three coffees in total. So the week that actually I don't have them, it's it's crazy i mean you can you can feel your stomach almost shaking uh, you know that something is missing i mean it's an addiction yeah i was gonna say do you get headaches day. in the morning when you do that yeah on the third or fourth day yeah you can I just, get them. yeah see i swear that's what happened to me at finland <laughs> <laughs> i went i i go to finland with uh, tony and they don't drink coffee so we're there like three days before the race. The day of the race, I wake up and I have like a migraine. I'm just got such a huge headache. Uh, I was I was severely lacking from caffeine. I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's a game changer, though. I think if you're able to have caffeine during the race, and I know a lot of people, um, for a lot of reason, um, they 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 are not having caffeine. But if you can, and if you are able to understand that the secret recipe on how the intake should be right um and it works for you and it doesn't create any gi issue and it doesn't like uh, put you in the in the toilet for uh, i don't know five times during a full ironman i would definitely recommend go for it because uh, it allows you literally to unlock uh, the next level in, in terms of performance Damn, yeah, that's very cool. Fifteen hundred right, wells, fifteen hundred milligrams, milligrams is wild. of caffeine. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that people has also like those those pills. I I never tried them though. I think there is a caffeine booster or something. They have so much milligrams of caffeine. So my form is normally coming from gels or Coke or uh, Red Bull, of course. So I'm not taking any pills. I'm not taking any shots of caffeine. But I know that people um, do that as well. And uh, yeah, they are they are available out there. So I mean, of course, yeah. if you want to experiment, just give I never it a try. take the Red Bull or Coke on course. Uh, I don't know why. It's just uh, it doesn't sound good. It, I I do, you know? but I don't I don't start until like mile eight. 
usually once I'm like once I'm like halfway through, then I'm like, okay, now I can start pumping it. And I, I don't I usually don't take Coke. It, it's very rare that I'll take a Coke. It's only if like that that flavor starts to get in my head where I my body wants that flavor. But Red Bull Red Bull is is you know typically they have a tent uh, or like the arch towards the end, and I'll I'll start taking that in pretty pretty good. But I'm I'm a Red Bull fan. The the Morton's gel is on coarser, hundred milligrams. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. sir. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I I will pound those. Yeah, that's my that's if they're given out too. Otherwise, I'm just stealing them. Yeah, well, that's my idea is to steal some, but I'm going to grab some <laughs> caffeinated just in case I want it because I can't remember the last time I'd have ca- I've had caffeine and I'm like, well, I'm going to have this in my back pocket if shit's getting bleak. I'm gonna I'm gonna rip one of these things. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. and I yeah, I mean the other thing. Oh, go ahead. Another thing that you can do is like a special needs bag, uh, for example, on the run. Uh, of course, depending on the condition, right? I think a Coke or a Red Bull can in there is like one of the best thing ever. Uh, also, your mind brings you back to some of the moments that you might be bonking if you ever happen to you on the bike. Uh, it happened to me, um, experimenting new stuff and such. So I connect uh, that moment uh, to then how I'm getting away. I'm getting out of this. And it's Coco a sneaker, right, uh, while riding. So when I'm reaching the special need and I'm feeling like a dizzy or something, I had the Coke there or a Red Bull. And that automatically not only really helps you, but it's also bring like your mind back to the moment that you were able to... Yeah, to solve an issue that you have on a previous experience. So you're also like a start uh, all these uh, important things that is the positive thinking. That is another leg of triathlon that uh, uh, sometimes not a lot of people talk. Uh, and normally like with my athlete, uh, it's like uh, it's important because we do visualization. Mm-hmm. You want to visualize in front of you what are the different scenarios that can happen on the race day. How are you going to remove the stuff when you're coming out of transition? What happens if the T2 bag, one, sorry, T1 bag is not there anymore? What if you have a bike in the rack uh, on your number? What are you going to do next? What if your timing chip falls off uh, during the swim, bike, or the run? Do you know how to solve for that one? And uh, when things start getting south and you start hurting, do you have a mantra? Do you have like a, a way to get out of that moment, right? So it's a positive thinking, of course. And a lot of time it's been at least, uh, um, I was reading like an article about this, uh, this study that one of the universities in Germany did, uh, that if you start thinking about uh, food or some drinks uh, that... Uh, connects uh, to a positive experience or a positive memories in your life uh, and you're thinking i'm gonna have that one at the finish line i'm gonna have it as soon as i'm done with the race you are able to push it through and automatically you're able to get away from that negativity and uh, i think it's pretty powerful uh, so that's also why even if i'm not personally using special needs bag um i always have like the run uh, one set up with a Coke in there. So whatever happens, happens. And if I know that uh, if I'm bunking, there is going to be a Coke there. Yeah. A, a lot of people will put in a Snickers bar or something like something be like, I, I just got to get to that and then I'll be okay. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So something to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I completely agree with you on the mental side. I think so many people, you know, people, there are people that are mentally strong, right. And, and, and they just have that natural ability 
but I would say the majority, um, spend many hours training, but spend very little time on the mindset portion of it and, and working on the, the mental side. So I think that's huge. Yeah. Well, and then so goo, you ran a 302 in California and that's not like, it's not a super flat run course. I, I think it's awfully deceptive. There's quite a few rollers through there and, and things like that. Um, was that what you were targeting? Did you, did you want to go faster? What was the, what was the goal? So the goal actually was a sub 255. Um, I think on a regular day, I could have, could have achieved it. Um, it didn't happen, of course, like to the, uh, to the situation that I was on and I had to deal with, but, uh, yeah, 302 considering the day and everything, uh, it was really, really good. It could have gone like, uh, on a completely different situation. It could have gone that, uh, I'm not even able like, uh, to, to start the run for whatever reason, because maybe at that moment you, you have temperature, maybe you're not even able to breathe, or maybe you're falling off the bike and the medical over there is going to tell you your race is over, right? Um, so considering everything was really, really good. And as you mentioned, yes, it was not flat. I think uh, they can say that the swim is super fast. The bike is completely flat except two bridges. It's windy, of course, you need to factor that in, but the run is not flat. And also something else to consider, he has a lot of suction that is gravel. Um, so he's not fast either on those uh, on those uh, part of the course. So if you factor everything in, I mean, he's not uh, probably the course uh, in terms of our run perspective that I would pick uh, to go for a run PR of the bike. Also, when it started raining, some of the part of the course got like uh, flooded. Some other, it was like uh, sandy, so it started getting super muddy. Um, and it was it was challenging. And then the other things that they probably didn't do really well is like uh, how to place the aid station. They were like uh, in weird spots. So even if they advertised they were like every one or two miles, there was some section that I think there wasn't an aid station for more than that. And I don't know if it was for the fact that it started raining so badly, so they have to move stuff around. I don't know because they have to change the run course uh, basically one month ago or one month and a half ago, right? Uh, due to the problem that they experienced last year inside this, uh, this park um, part of the course. Um, but yeah, and then uh, really lonely, really lonely the entire time is not something that, uh, I think uh, you want to experience, especially me as a runner. I love when there is a lot of crowds around me. I love when you have the support of the people around you. And, uh, especially when you're going after a goal, uh, you want also to get like splits. So you want uh, people telling you, where are you? How are you doing? Uh, is the guy behind you coming super uh, in hot and he's going to get uh, to you in the next K or two? Or uh, you're going to be already in this position and that's it? Are you like uh, bridging the gap to the people in front of you? So it was really, really lonely. And I think uh, that one, for a first-timer perspective, I think it's something that is not really nice. Um, because... Uh, you don't have a lot of opportunity for the spectator to see the athlete. It's just basically like the transition, yeah. out of transition and maybe the finish line. Yeah. And also the finish line, they have to 
I don't know, take a Uber or uh, uh, one of those birds, a lift or whatever, and get to the finish line or rent a bike or do such and such because it was far away. And also like uh, the streets and the roads that they use. I, w- I was joking with Chris. And it, it looked like uh, the, the getting into the, the finish area, the last section, it was basically being uh, uh, I Am Legend. Will's yeah, there is a freaking apocalypse, a zombie yeah. apocalypse, and you're just waiting for someone coming out around the street, around the corner, and trying to freaking murder you. It's like it feels it like it's crazy. It feels like it's per- perpetually under construction around there. You know what I mean? And and then that, like you're saying, that part out to Discovery Park. Uh, last year, it felt like there was like a four mile section without an aid station, and once you get past that one aid station, kind of past Old Town, and you get out there, you're just like. Okay, there's there's no one. There's no one out here. I'm I'm gonna get murdered. Like it's it's yeah, it's super lonely out yeah, there. It, it was weird. It was really really weird. Um, and also, I think another another um, another important topic to discuss is like uh, where they place the timing uh, mat. I think uh, some of them were placing points where people could have easily like uh, cut uh, cut the. Uh, course short by not a lot but uh, maybe 100 to 200 meters at the end of the day so 100 to 200 meters uh, quantify that one is probably one or two minutes uh, it could have put me like in a third position so if you're battling out for a minute or two i mean sometime it's a lot right so i think that one was definitely something and then uh, i spoke with a lot of people especially like the the, the top guys uh, at the finish line and everyone had like way more uh running distance uh, in their watch uh. both people that are using gps uh, both people that are using uh the stride uh, or coros uh, foot pod and such uh of course I, I trust the guys, but I mean, it's it's really weird when you're seeing that basically everyone in the field has like 400, 500, 600 meters more. And I think it's mainly related to the fact on how they designed the course. There was a lot of ups and down from a part that was down close to the river, ups and then go down and then some weird turns that they... Uh, make us go through so i think when they have to measure i think all those pieces they were like summing up way more than than a regular than a regular distance that is not like an excuse of uh, uh, of not meeting my goals by the way not don't uh, don't hear me wrong here it's just like i think uh, for next year and it's something that i already submitted as a feedback uh, and they have to do it like uh, way better um and especially like I know that it was downpouring rain, but uh, have an official on these uh, turnaround points and uh, take down the number or make sure that someone is there like uh, with a cro- an arm crossed. And uh, yeah, they are they are making sure that everyone is, is respecting the distance, you're respecting the course because you know how it is this port. Uh, a lot of people are taking shortcuts and uh, it's something that I, I really don't like it. Um, and... Uh, yeah, if if I find someone taking 
those kind of shortcuts, then draft on the bike, then put fins on on the swim, then start doping. Then it's basically the same, right? Uh, follow the rules. You're proving that one. You want to follow the rules, not for everyone else. You want to follow the rules for yourself, especially if you want to achieve something and be like tomorrow and be like, I'm an Ironman. I made it, right? So that is important. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, a 302 is nothing to scoff at. And then, you know, I it, I know you wanted to do better, but then what, two weeks later, you went and did New York Marathon and ran a 249 or something? So yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and and see again is like uh, how a course, uh, I mean, how a, a race can can change, uh, um, like the outcome of a race can change so quickly and drastically compared to another one, right? I go into New York, uh, not even recover, still not feeling hundred uh, percent, just with the with the goal of having fun. That was like, uh, it's still on my whiteboard that, that I wrote down at the beginning of the year, what you want to do for New York City Marathon, have fun. That was it. And you go out there and uh, you're having an amazing day. For sure, it was the crowd, I think. It was a game changer. Um, I think I don't even know the decibels uh, that uh, they might have recorded on the First Avenue and the Fifth Avenue and then Central Park. It was basically impossible to speak uh, with a runner close to you. It was insane, insane. You're never alone. There are always someone with you. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that one was like uh, probably the real fitness um, from a running perspective that I had in me um, for California. Um, again, it's like, uh, I'm not discouraged. Uh, I know that, uh, it's in me. Um, and, uh, it's just like, uh, put me in a situation where I'm even more fired up, uh, to sign up in the future, uh, to another full Ironman, whatever is going to be, is going to be, and be sure that, uh, I can, I'm going to be able like to, to, to achieve what I, what I want to do. Right. And, um, especially like on a run perspective, I'm, I'm defining myself a, a good runner um, of the bike, uh, and I want to show that one um, to myself, but also like uh, show that uh, even with uh, 15 hours like average per week, uh, you are able to achieve that one, no matter what. It's just like consistency, commitment, uh, and be transparent uh, if you're having a coach, um, like sharing what's happening in your life. Uh, are you stressed? Are you fatigued? Uh, uh, is something going on, right? Uh, um, because as a coach, also it's something like uh, it's it's important to adjust uh, the training plan, and I'm lucky because my coach is like that, right? So if I'm sending tonight a message and I'm be like, hey, I'm not feeling a hundred. Tomorrow you have a VO2 max session. Well, maybe that VO2 max uh, is gonna be changed into something easy, right? And uh, you're you're gonna be then fire up to when that VO2 max session came up on the training plan and be like, okay, let's crush it now. I'm feeling hundred. Let's go into it like a full speed. Um, so, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough sometimes, of course, because um, California, um, I finished fourth again. <laughs> Didn't get a slot. Right. Um, so it's sometimes really hard as an athlete, especially when you are like a, a, at the top of your age group or even if the overall, because um, I was still able to finish sixth overall. So that was pretty good result, but sometimes it, it's difficult to process. Like, uh, even if you achieve something bigger, uh, that some people are like, uh, are dreaming about if, and maybe they don't have it in them, right. To achieve something like that. 
it's difficult because uh, there can be like a situation like a slot roll down that is taking all the moment away. So going back to New York, uh, then New York, you put so much energy and positive things into me that I'm like, uh, it's like it never happened that a slot rolled down and I'm like, I'm super far up. I'm super happy. And it was just like an amazing day being out there in New York city, uh, for my first time over there running the marathon, running a major and yeah, 249, the pace uh, perfectly on point. Uh, I'm gonna submit my application to be an official pacer soon, uh, because it was really good. It was basically like 630 per mile uh, all day long, 629 across the end uh, because uh, yeah, the crowd, uh, yeah, it makes magic happen. You cannot, uh, you cannot go easy. It's like they are pushing so much, screaming your number, yelling, or trying to yell my name like you did, uh, Austin, and then stopping <laughs> on the third ladder. <laughs> yeah, but it's still great, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And then you're you're doing Boston too this year, right? Yeah, I qualified last year at uh, California International Marathon. Uh, so I submitted my application. So I'm going into um, into next year as uh, my A race, actually. It's going to be a runner, a running event, and it's Boston. It's not going to be a triathlon event. Um, and that one is the goal, is uh, to achieve something major that is like, uh, let's say, in the ballpark of the 230-ish kind of thing. Wow. Uh, so 23X. Let's say that way. It can be whatever it can be. Uh, I'm not gonna like go crazy if it is like a 231, 234, 239, but it has to be in that realm. Uh, and that is like another uh, big goal of mine that mm. I always had in, like in my in my life uh, because I think uh, as a, as an amateur, uh, when you're able to run a 230 something, right? Uh, um, I think you're a good runner, and that is something that uh, I, I want to achieve, right? Uh, when when I'm a peak. <laughs> Is this, that's yeah, gonna be your first Boston? He's gonna be my first Boston too. Nice, yeah. nice. I'm, I'm interested to hear once you do that your the feedback of comparing the Scream Tunnel to the New York like Central Park. That w- that would be interesting. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, I never run on a Monday. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, training, of course, but running a race and doing a race on a Monday. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So I'm looking forward to the overall experience, right? Because I think, yeah, uh, uh, yeah you can you can play something here. Had uh, think that might be some extra magic and motivation. Uh, yeah, that was a guy that was uh, that was telling me like all this meme with the hashtag uh, uh, Marathon Monday, Monday Mice, uh, Magic Monday, Motivational Monday. Uh, I don't know. There are so many and they are like, well, Medal Monday, of course. Right. And uh, they were like, uh, yeah, the, that Monday in Boston, is just special because the city is closed. It's basically like everything is closed because it's one of the holidays. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it too. Yeah, and it, it doesn't it's... feel like a Monday either when you're, when it just feels like a, a weekend, <laughs> like it's just, yeah, there, there's no difference to it. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be cool to watch that journey because I mean, knowing your your work ethic towards triathlon specifically, I mean, if you're focusing on one sport, that's gonna be that's gonna be monumental, man. That's gonna be really cool. So yeah, and I mean, don't hear me hear me wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm still gonna like uh, focusing on the two sports as well, but uh, within like the amount of time that I have available per week, yeah, the majority is gonna take. Uh, 
um, on by running. Um, I mean, I'm lucky. I'm not getting injured uh, easily. Uh, so I probably gonna be able to manage like the 100, 110, 120 K per week uh, kind of volume that I think when you want to achieve a 230, whatever is gonna mm-hmm. be, right? Mm-hmm. I think is what is needed in terms of volume. And again, I'm lucky also to have like a, a support, uh, supporting coach and partner uh, that they are gonna help me uh, on the journey because uh, I'm pretty confident that uh, when you have like a, two long runs per per week uh, it can be important uh, actually it's really mandatory to have someone in your life that is able like to mm-hmm. to help you on that one yeah, yeah. And, and the conversion of that for you know in freedom units that's uh, about 70 miles per week he's talking <laughs> yeah yeah correct yeah yeah well so so you're gonna not, not gonna be doing like any swimming um, Maybe like actually, once a week or we something. So that is beneficial uh, to promote a recovery and a regeneration. Probably we are not going to do anything crazy in terms of like a speed session or or anything like that or longer session than uh, 2K or 2.5K. So mainly it's going to be like easy, easy float, endurance kind of things. But uh, um, I think it, it's pretty good to incorporate that one just to make sure that, uh, yeah, the muscle are good to go. And then the other stuff that I'm going to incorporate is going to be some uh, cold plunges um so this uh, year during like uh, i think summer and fall i start incorporating like uh, cold plunges actually contrast therapy so you do the cold plunge and then you jump into into the sauna um and is is a game changer even if you do like 20 minutes yeah. 30 minutes uh, a week uh, it's like uh, it promotes the regeneration of the muscle you remove like the inflammation from the lower part of your body especially if you're doing like the cold plunge only on the, for the legs uh, that i never seen something like that mm-hmm. i never i never experienced something good like that of course it's an extra like uh, um money a couple bucks a couple hundred bucks that you yeah. put on top of your budget yeah uh, if you don't have something easy to do at home right um so i mean it might not be like uh, beneficial for everyone or also if uh, the center where they are doing the stuff is not close to you um, but yeah so yeah, yeah contrast therapy i'm a huge fan of um you know if i could do it more i I would but it definitely does uh, it's it is an expensive uh recovery tool but I think again, huge, huge benefits, and it, it feels amazing. Um, so yeah, if you, if you can, if you haven't tried it, you know, you, you should at least uh, incorporate it a little bit into into your recovery session. Treat yourself. I mean, it sounds like you're going to be doing just enough swimming to still be faster than Sakis. Always. <laughs> I mean, that's one with one swim per week. You're going to be. Fine. Oh yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. a good point. I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. That's the guy, I mean, you know, he's just like saying that he's swimming all the time, but if he's not on Strava, it's, yeah. it didn't happen. Yeah, so, that's I mean, right. I only saw like couples swim before before California. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, that explains it all. But yeah. Good thing he doesn't listen and, to this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. He was really worried about me coming to the podcast and talking about him. All he does, all he does, is message me, man, and says, "You guys should talk about this. You guys should talk about that." He's listening all the time. No, actually, me and Sakas are just sending each other uh, cats meme all the time. That's the only thing that actually we are talking about. <laughs> Those fat cats on on the reel and such that they're like a chunky and they are going around eating and having fun right 
um no but uh no he's a great guy actually yeah. super supportive yeah. i think uh one of the reasons also why california even the condition and everything it went well for me is because uh, we drove up together it was completely okay to have a sick person in the car uh, i i was wearing a mask just in case i didn't want like to compromise his his uh his race uh, but uh yeah i think uh, having the support of him uh, taking care of everything like uh, logistics uh, driving us around um going for the grocery cooking for us meals and such he was definitely like a game changer so no he's a he's a he's an amazing guy so 100 jokes of course he's yeah. slow but it's okay I mean, <laughs> yeah no he, he's he's an incredible guy and he he has a great judge of character which is you know why he keeps you in his life and, and surrounds himself with like-minded people so yeah so and thanks to him for connecting us and being able to get you on the podcast so um but I, I, I'm sure, I mean, that's, that's pretty much two hours. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Ida's looking over your shoulder, like get over here and come cook for me. So, uh, <laughs> actually know. I already did that because oh, okay. I knew for a fact Smart. that we were going, the, the discussion was going to be too interesting. Yeah. Right? Yes. So we were going to be over. Uh, so I made like a homemade, uh, eggplant parmigiana. So uh, she was like putting in the oven and actually I can see she's feasting already. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. yesterday was uh, her birthday. So uh, yeah, happy birthday. Uh, we celebrate a bit and then nice. tonight is going to be just the last part of the celebration. Yeah, I got a surprise in the freezer as well. So All right. Just having some fun with her. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks well, so much yeah. man, for spending the time with us. We appreciate it. Yeah. It's been amazing. No, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I didn't know you, Chris. I didn't really know you, Tony. Uh, but uh, yeah, amazing really to have the chance and the opportunity to speak with you. And uh, yeah, maybe we are going to be able to put our training together uh, yeah. with you, Austin, too. I'm going to be in India whilst La Quinta, by the yep. way. Oh. Um, so maybe we can uh, sink there. We can, we can grab a beer. To You're three, there to watch four, your athletes? Five. You're not racing, right? I'm, I'm racing actually. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, they, they convinced me. Uh, so they got me a, an entry uh, to the event and they're like, uh, whatever is your fitness, uh, it is just come, just hang out with the team. Um, we have like, I think, uh, over 45 athletes oh, racing. Uh, it never happened. So they want me there as well um, to represent. Um, and yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm not going into the race with uh, with any expectations though. Uh, basically, I was thinking today like uh, it might be my first race that I'm not even wearing a watch on the run, and I'm just like uh, hiding like all the data from uh, from the bike computer as well. Um, and just go by feel and uh, yeah having fun out there seeing all the people like rocking our colors and family friends and familiar faces that um, yeah more for celebration right and close the close the year in a in a high hand that's awesome that's Very awesome cool. yeah. that's awesome hopefully yeah. i connect with you while we're out there i get out there i'm gonna go out there on friday morning yeah we're thinking the same probably so yeah Maybe you are doing like an activation run and then, yeah, Saturday is going to be quite hectic because of all the logistics, right? Yeah, yep. it's always busy. Place, decontamination uh, protocol for the wetsuit and then coming back, bread bag and such. And then I don't know if they have still have uh, any protocol in place in terms of security for the tennis garden. 
Well, hopefully I don't no. Know. I haven't gotten any emails this time. Yeah, usually yeah. they require a vaccination vaccine card every time, but I, I I I haven't seen anything on that, so must not be. We're done. Perfect. COVID's gone. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> I mean, you guys just had it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, man. Yeah, well, I we mean. will let you go. We'll let you go. Enjoy your dinner. Thank you so much. We appreciate the time. Thanks, you. Thank you, guys. Uh, really, it was amazing. Thanks so much. All right. All right. Have, Have a good one. Thank you soon.